coming up on The Medicine Podcast. Because there's three levels of thought. There's thinking, that's when you do it once. There's considering, that's when you do it a few times. And then there's contemplation, that's when you stare at a thing until it reveals its secrets to you. And the English language is used almost exclusively today. It, it is externalized, it is vague, and it is inflammatory. She never lets me live my life. And it, it inflames the imagination, wraps the breath in the chest, creates excess rigidity in the body. It's a, technically, it's called amygdala hijack, and it, it turns us into zombies of sorts because when we're in a stress state and the breath is in the chest, our listening skills tank. The stronger the emotional charge, the, the higher the breath gets in the chest, the less ability someone has to listen, and we also lose access to our creative faculties. Welcome back to the Medicine Podcast. My name is Mimi, and I am sitting next to my my warrior, my king, my lover, Chase. What's going on, everybody? We are pretty amped up today. We're talking to an OG in the space, an absolute legend. You may have heard him on other podcasts because he's been on a ton over the years. Um, he's has some really incredible content out there uh, on the interwebs, but uh, we get him to ourselves today. So glad you are here, my friend, Mark England. Welcome to the Medicine Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Chase. Thank you, Mimi. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the audience for listening. It's going to be good. All right. Well, let's let's get right into it. Our, the first question that we ask every guest on the medicine is, what do you love in your life? What aspect of your life do you love so much that you wish you could gift it to every human? Oh, that's easy. To what I do professionally, um, I've fallen in love. You know, there have been uh, taking a, a, a couple of beautiful women out of the conversation. I've fallen in love on site twice uh, in 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 my life. Once was the first time I took a jujitsu class in 1996. I was a wrestler in high school. Thought I was a tough guy. Went into a jujitsu class in college. And I, I got choked out, which is, <laughs> turns out that's very different than getting pinned. And um, I, 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 was, I was enamored. I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to learn this. Immediately hooked. And then the second time I fell in love on site was with the language game, the story game in 2003, when I saw a guy take a woman's story. And it was very, it was a, it was a legit stinger of a breakup. He took it and turned it on its head with one word in front of a group of people and helped this woman walk out of a story that had been occupying way too much of her mental real estate for four years since the incident happened. Got in, was getting in the way of her having a relationship. She just wasn't, she was, she was still very, very bitter about the whole thing. And he changed one word in the story. Now, getting down to that one sentence and that one word, that there was some art there for sure. And he, yeah, he did that. And I, I just, I was like, oh my gosh, that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And here's, here's the sentence he did that to me. Mm. That was the sentence. He did that to me. And that was in 2003. On an island in the Gulf of Thailand, when I was at one of the lowest points in my life, um, I was a fighter, uh, and I moved over to Thailand in 2002. Um, the plan was to stay there for a year. 
practice my skills, come back and go pro. Um, and that is, that's not what happened. I jacked my knee up for a second time. The whole thing stopped. I turned into a grown ass man, baby. Um, <laughs> that's a technical term. And, and anyway, I, I, fortunately I, I stumbled across this, this place, this cleansing resort. And they were, um, I went and did some cleanses and I, I went to an emotional detoxification, um, workshop while I was down there and, and this work thinking about our thinking, Alan Watts, one of my favorite teachers of all time. He said, when we learn to think about our thinking, we become alive in a new way. Most people are not thinking about their thinking. They're just thinking. And there's a profound difference. And so the art and science of, of helping people get their words working for them, most people's language is working against them. Oh, and I was a teacher before I got involved in this. I got a degree. I used to teach elementary school PE. So I'm a teacher to the core before, before, you know, a coach, I'm a teacher. And, um, and that's something that I love. I wake up, I wake up every morning and there's gas in the tank to do this work. I've been doing it somewhere between full-time and overtime the whole time for the past 16 years. <laughs> um, where does, where does the energy come from? Don't know, don't care. Um, it's just one of those things, you know, it's there and, and I just, I just say yes to it. Mm. Hell yeah. So the, the labor of love that you embody and get to do every day that you get to engage in is, is what I'm hearing. You're saying that you wish you could gift to everyone, right? Well, it's better than wishing that I could gift it to everyone. We do gift it to people. Um, we get, when we get a chance to come on podcasts like this and talk about the power of our words and our stories and, um, what high level coaching is, what low level coaching looks and feels like, um, uh, uh, how to know if what category of those two things that you're in, um, and uh, and 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 help people empower their their language and their stories and their mindset because that's what mindset is. Lucky us, we've got a we've got a definition for that. Most people that talk about mindset, they don't have a definition for that, and if they do, it's usually this big clunky philosophical thing that takes a while to explain and then good luck implementing it. Right. Okay. Uh, here, here it is. Our mindset, your mindset, everybody, it's the story you tell yourself. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. Yep. It's the story you tell yourself to yourself about yourself, what you can do and what you can't do and what is possible and what isn't possible and what you do deserve and what you don't and all these things that are not units of measurement. It's not like any of that stuff's on the periodic table of elements. They're <laughs> opinions <laughs> and right. they drive the ship. Right. And so, um, yeah, I, uh, I teach people about their words. Hell yeah. Love that. Yeah. Let, let's, uh, I want to get in. There's so many little, little, uh, mm-hmm. doors that have been cracked and I want to get into them specifically around coaching and, and being mm-hmm. a student and being a teacher, but first little context, uh, what is in lifted? What do you do today? And then, and then you hinted at it a little bit as it pertains to your story and how you got there. But kind of the the road, briefly, the road it took to get to that space where where you are now with in lifted. Got it. I'm one of the co-founders of in lifted. I'm the head coach of in lifted. I deliver all of our trainings. I certify all of our coaches. And yesterday we graduated group 37 from level one. There's 10 people per cohort, so there's 370 
enlisted level one students, roughly 180 level twos and a handful of level threes. Um, what um, what the, the, the path that I took to get here, um, well, a, a large part of that was out of personal need. Um, like I said, I moved to Thailand and the whole, and, and I went over there to fight and jacked my knee up, sec, second knee surgery and darkness descended and getting myself out of that entrenched dumpster fire of a victim mentality, which I'm very happy to recite the definition of for your listeners, because it's very valuable to hear the depth. Most people have never heard the definition of the victim mentality. They've heard, you know, the person's playing the victim or they have a victim mentality. Having the definition, the verbatim definition of the victim mentality, when we add that into the conversation about mindset with some, with some context, it adds a whole lot to the conversation. Um, and so, you know, getting myself out of that very unpleasant place, I was very uncomfortable in my skin uh, for a variety of reasons. One of them being that the victim mentality, it, it, it is exceedingly stressful. And when someone's in a stress response, their breath is trapped in their chest. And if someone's breathing in their chest, where, which, where most people are, then it's somewhere between hard and impossible to be comfortable in your skin. Okay. Much less in a relationship with someone. Mm -hmm. and, and, and yeah, so, uh, uh, that's been a personal process and where I stand right now at 47 years old, I feel way better, uh, psychologically, emotionally, and, and even physically than I did when I was 27. And it comes down to, you know, changing some words around and paying more attention to my breathing. It's not rocket science. Anybody can do it. And professionally, um, you know, we've, uh, uh, I'm a very blue collar person. I come from a blue collar background and this is in, in lifted is a, is a blue collar personal and professional development. Um, there's a couple ways to describe it. It's, it's a school for sure. So we certify coaches, um, and we have a group, uh, mighty networks group. Then we have a ton of, um, uh, uh, resources in, in there for essentially any aspect of coaching that someone wants to get into. There's either people in the community that are doing it or there's resources provided on top of our trainings that help people do it. Um, one of the big things we take, we bring to the table in the conversation of coaching is that it's not coaching. Fine. We got to call it something. Okay. Externally facing. So people know what it is. And we, we approach it as, as in transformational wordsmithing. Hmm. That is an art. Yeah. That is an art. That is a craft. It's a practice and it's a, it's a path. And I, I approach this work as such. I am an artist. Okay. I'm an artist. I am, I am a, a practitioner um, of this, uh, uh, this, this, this art when it comes to helping people change their stories and also presentation skills. You know, this is, this is my 361st podcast I've been on talking about this one thing. Wow. Um, I'm very conservative number. I'm at 750 workshops on this one thing. We've got a killer TEDx talk that we crushed, you know, 1800 people live streamed to 150,000 
no pressure. So we like to we like to get in front of people and tell good stories because that that helps people think better about their thinking. So yeah, coaching it's it's not just coaching, okay? It's there's there's it's and when someone approaches it as an art or a craft, they appreciate it better. They end up getting better at it. They have a longer uh um there, there's more longevity to their business, to their coaching business, and and as important as anything, if not more, their clients get better results. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. well put. Uh, one quick question: coaching and the umbrella underneath coaching is this everything from like personal training for you know exercise and nutrition all the way to like mindset, um, maybe even business or something along those lines? Are there kind of subcategories of coaching that you guys break out? Yeah, we can we can do a couple of a couple of different umbrellas. So what we specialize is in what most people would call mindset coaching, um, and the coaching conversation starts in and lifted with the dismantling of the victim mentality because that's where you're going to meet your client ninety eight percent of the time. Very rarely does a does someone book in for a coach with a coach when the sun is out. No, they're struggling with something. They're stuck somewhere. They need some help. They got a problem. And um, a, a vast majority of that time, the conversation starts, oh, hey, um, you know, what can I help you with? And they, your client will tell you about a, a, a situation that they're dealing with um, a the, they'll talk about a problem that they're dealing with on a thematic general level in their in their adult life. And if you know what you're doing and you scratch that, you scratch the surface, you're you're gonna get into specific events and very, very likely you're gonna get into specific traumatic events in their in their childhood, childhood and adolescence. Because that's where um that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. A quick story about that. Uh two nights ago, Gus, um Knows last night, Gus on Tuesday Night Live. We do a live coaching class on Instagram. Um, he had is a twenty year coach, and he was riddled with imposter syndrome the whole time. Mm-hmm. And here's here's the short story. Here's how it went. Hey Gus, tell me about that. And he told me about it. Generally speaking, can you give me a specific example of that in your adult life? And he gave the example of well, yeah, we won a championship one time, and we were all partying. And I just, I felt like I still felt like I didn't belong and I, I didn't do a, a, enough. Okay. So I felt like an outsider, even though I was one of the coaches on this team, I couldn't celebrate. I couldn't celebrate what we had done. And it brought up this in his chest. And then I asked the second set of magic questions. When was the first time you ever felt that? And I didn't have to ask the, the second one. He just went straight to it, which was a time when his dad had to come pick him up he and his brother, when he was nine years old, take him away from his mother and a, a, an, an abusive stepdad. His mother was in pieces, and he had the, the story that I broke my mother's heart. Hmm. And because he broke his mother's heart, he was, a, he, was a, he was not a good son. And because he wasn't a good son, he couldn't be a good father. He couldn't be a good husband. He couldn't be a good coach. And it's nuts to think that people's imposter syndrome can be coming from way back there. And I'm here to tell people that it is. And the imposter syndrome and the victim mentality and a telephobia, the fear of not being good enough, those three things tank more coaching careers than anything out there combined. 
that's it's it's the real boogie monster for 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 coaches and that's one of the things that we help people uh take up people put in coaches do get in there dismantle those stories turn the volume down on them so they can be they can become better at being seen so when someone has a fear of being seen they'll get real creative in ways to get in their way trust me i've done it i've got a black belt in that and all i have also uh to a very real degree we put out a ton of content and I'm at the center of it. Got that under control majorly. So I know what it's like to be petrified of putting yourself out there in fear of judgment. And I also know what it's like to go on that many podcasts and workshops and be the centerpiece of this thing, the face of this thing for now and put out three online courses and, and just, just go for it. I know what that's like. Yeah. Quick question on, imposter syndrome and this might not be actually a quick question or a quick answer, but I've heard other people, teachers in the space uh, of self-development talk about this very real and relevant topic of imposter syndrome. It, It affects, I would say, probably the majority of people who are putting themselves out there in some capacity, myself included. Um. Is there a degree of imposter syndrome that is ever healthy, productive, or helpful to your process of reflecting and not getting too full of yourself that you feel like, oh, I have nothing. I'm good. I'm set. I, I am this person and I am the best, like a grandiose picture of yourself that might not be based in reality. Like, do you ever see any degree of imposter syndrome, or maybe it's a, it's a, a, it would be, you know, another term. Um, but is that ever helpful to someone's process of, of self-reflection? Self-reflection is very important. Whether you're thinking about starting your coaching business or you have started it or you're you know, 25 years in the game, um, could the imposter syndrome in to some degree, some flavor, um, help with that maybe it depends on how conscious the person is of the story how conscious of the the, the person is of why do i feel this way what story am i am i telling myself what words are put together and 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 instead of uh, this is the first time i've ever been asked this question it's a great question and the first thing that comes to mind is i'd rather have a very strong peer group than a flavor of my imposter syndrome for self-reflection. I mean, people around you that are not yes men, yes women, people that will tell you, hey, l- listen, you, you, tighten this up over here, okay? That um, that's, that is, well, that's one of the major benefits of having a peer group or a community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, it's, it's piggybacking on this and, and this, that's a great, great answer to this question because you've got, in my experience and having witnessed a host of different individuals, You've got one extreme where there's an incredibly talented human being. Let's say they're an artist, but they're bogged down by their own storytelling in a in a pessimistic, uh, scarcity way, and they're sitting in their hermit archetype, creating or something that hasn't been shared yet to the world that should be. It could be this life affirming gift to the world, but it's they're unable to break through that barrier of. Uh, their own story that is sabotaging themselves. And then you've got the opposite extreme, which is 
you've got an 18 year old who is now an Instagram coach and they've given themselves their own certifications and they live on an island somewhere figuratively and they're preaching something that's not based in experience that is completely hyperbole lacks any sort of grounded practicality and potentially but but have a million followers and and are potentially leading people astray and so like maybe it's maybe it's not your own self-limiting beliefs because that's a toxic version of something but there's a threshold of of filtering oneself prior to partaking in in the idea of being a coach and maybe the answer is ensuring that you're consistently a part of a peer group that can hold you accountable to the to the claims that you might be making Hey friend, are you like me looking for ways to age gracefully and beautifully, but also naturally? If so, then we must be aware of the nutrients that we are gifting our body and cells to resist premature aging. One of my favorite ways to do that is with Tremella mushroom. Tremella has been used for centuries for its unmatched cellular hydration, aka healthy glowing skin, by holding 500 times its weight in water. I get my daily Tremella with Mushy Love Latte. This is Chase and I's delicious mushroom elixir that we formulated from scratch to support healthy, hydrated skin cells, shiny, strong hair, gut health, and robust immunity. My favorite way to enjoy Mushy Love is blended with cold milk. It seriously tastes like liquid graham crackers. You can also enjoy it steamed or blended into your vanilla protein shake or as a cinnamon swirly coffee creamer. To grab yours, go to getmushylove.com and use the code MEDICINE, M-E-D-I-C-I-N, for a nice discount. Cheers to aging gracefully and naturally. Yeah, peer, peer group is, so there's, there's a trifecta of excellence. So we talk about this in the in, in lifted community uh, towards the end of level one certification. Three things you need. Okay, if you want to do this thing over time on a, on a on a long enough timeline, so you can get good. It's fun to get good at stuff. And on an imposter syndrome note, to to shore up some of that conversation that we started a little earlier, Mimi, a lot of what people they mistake beginner syndrome for imposter syndrome. Mm. That's a that's a tremendous distinction. If someone if someone really noodles on that, that just that one thing, it's worth your time of of listening to this podcast. There's a difference between imposter syndrome and beginner syndrome. Nobody's good at stuff when they first start doing it. I mean, of course, there's some varying levels of talent and stuff, and nobody masters something day one. Nobody masters something day twelve. I mean, I've seen so, so to talk about you know self. Um, I'm self-certified. I've I've seen certifications out there that you can get a master practitioner in 12 days. I'm here to tell you, you can't. No, you can't. They're lying to you. <laughs> if, you can't master something in 12 years. So I was up uh, at the CrossFit Games two weekends ago, and um, I went up there to do a podcast, best hour of their day, great guys, great audience. And they had a booth at the corner in the expo room, and they did 22 podcasts over four days. They, they're, they're machines. And um, one of the guys, I forget his name, um, he, had been, he had been an Olympic weightlifting coach for over 55 years. Wow. What, wow. what do you – you know, right? Right. 
Right. What do you think that guy today would have said about him 12 years in? He'd be like, dude, you can, you're just starting to learn to see. Right. Yeah. Just starting to get that, to get that broad vision. And so if there's, if, 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 if you're practicing something of significance, of substance, you, and, and you want to get good at it, give it at least 10 years. Give it a decade. Give it a decade. Oh my God, a decade. Yeah, a decade. One of our mentors said, you need to learn to think in decades. And and I'll, I'll bet the farm that nobody listening to this podcast had any classes in high school about how to think in decades. No, we think in, not to interrupt you, but like- oh, Please do. We think in, we meaning collective society, <laughs> we think in three and 10 and 15 second, or maybe- 30 seconds or or 60 seconds or 90 seconds what can fit in a reel on instagram that's what people are thinking in it's like give me the steps in 90 seconds so that i can save it to my instagram come back to this later and figure out how to become an expert in this thing i don't think uh, i would say the large majority of people uh are not thinking in, in decades or teaching in decades we're, we're teaching in tiny segments that can catch the attention of someone who's scrolling and it's so it's it's just everything that you're saying i absolutely agree with and it's it's perfect it's spot on but it's so antithetical to what our culture is, is how we are currently engaging with information right now yeah it's 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 very true and so that that 18 year old that's got it all figured out um who has a million followers um, uh, you know, claiming to have all the answers. Either they do or they don't. Let's just pretend they don't because I remember 18. Um, <laughs> um, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be imposter syndrome. That would be an imposter. Yeah. Yeah. That would be an imposter. And the person, the hermit, um, who's, who's, and I know people like this. They're so good at what they do. They're yeah. top of the, and they just they they need they need just a, a little extra time to get it just perfect, and then they're going to be good enough. That's I'll one of this when exactly. There are so many pitfalls and tricks to the victim mentality, the imposter syndrome. I mean, to to say that it's seductive is an understatement. It's I mean, really, what's more seductive than our own voice in our own head? And you know, half the reason why. Um, you know, my favorite Instagram posts right now or <laughs> someone that they, they, they sh- you know, it's I just I've been I've been really going through it lately. And I just, uh, um, you know, the things have been really hard and it's it's been really dark and really challenging. And I just want to let you know that, you know, if you just believe in yourself and 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 really just work on work on work on all the, all the all the things you need to and you just see it through that that you can make it here look at my ass it's like you know they'll they'll have these <laughs> they'll have these really like thought felt like deep and then they'll show a picture of them in a thong on bikini <laughs> on, on 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 hawaii and 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 you think that has anything to do with them getting a, a million views um yeah. <laughs> it does it does yeah. and and to, to, to round that out listen everybody give it the give it the vibe check when you're when you're when you're paying attention to someone who's talking to you about transformation, give them the vibe check. And if you get a good vibe 
pay attention to that. And if you get a bad vibe, pay attention to that because that's legitimate. That's a, that's a, that's a sensation. That's, that's sensing senses, sixth sense. That's, that's real feedback for you. And maybe the person is legitimate and the vibe test comes back negative for you. That just means it's a bad fit for you. Okay. So pay attention to how you feel about them. And if they're entertaining and they put out some good stuff from time to time and you like how they look in a bikini, keep following them. Cool. Um, yeah, it's wild times. It's like when I first started, the social media was not, I mean, 16 years ago, it was like just getting my head around email. Yeah, right. it's the wild, wild west right now. We just dropped an episode yesterday talking about, you know, sex and technology ethics and the wild, wild west of how we all engage in technology and social media while also navigating dating and relationships and marriage and how much is how much is out there that is just like the third wheel of the relationship, which is technology. And it's also it, it, this applies in every facet of life, in every aspect, whether it's coaching or self-development or whatever. It's like there's so much to look at and to to potentially learn from that I feel like it's really difficult to focus on one teacher, one mentor, one coach, a a linear or um, a progressive way of learning from maybe one person in particular, whether it be a, a coach or a mentor, et cetera. Um, and so I think we're just getting like decision fatigue almost where we're like, we don't know where to look. There's so many shiny objects. How do I dig in and go deep with someone when there's so much to look at. And so I would love to hear from you about, you know, your thoughts on on the coaching world and all these different types of coaching whether it be a self-love coach or a a sex embodiment, femininity, divine, masculine, like I I feel like I look at a new bio every day and there's a new coach for anything that you could ever want. What is your opinion on all of that and how does one go about even like finding and working with uh, a coach who has their chops, who who has like real merit, real value to to give to the the person. Great question. Most of the podcasts I go on, and I know that going in, and I'm excited to share the stories. Uh, it's hey, how'd you get into this? That's how we start, and then I you know tell the stories, and so these are these are. Um, new and and welcome questions i'll begin my answer to that with more of my coaching story my mother she died when i was 20. Mm. when i was 33 so i started coaching i'm 47 now i started coaching when i was 30. when i was 33 i got access and it came in a couple of chapters a couple of checks uh, access to roughly a quarter of a million dollars. And I'm really glad I got it then. Really, really glad I got it then instead of 23. We wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> 33, I get access to, um, for me, it was a large, large sum of money. I'd been coaching for three years full time, studying the art for seven. And I knew some of the things were out there. And, and, and about 18 months later, I leave where I had been living. So I lived in Thailand for 10 years. It still sounds strange to say that. First half, I was in Bangkok as, an, as a sports teacher, elementary school sports teacher. The second half, 
I was a, a, a counselor coach um, at that same cleansing resort on Kosamoyan Island. And I left and I took that money and I traveled around the world numerous times. I got to eight of the nine founders of the systems that I knew of. And there's great stuff out there that I'm ignorant to. And out of the systems that I knew of that were most impressive to me, I went and studied with eight of the nine founders. And I would um, I would pick a training and I would go there early, do the training, do one-on-one sessions with that person and stay after and immerse myself in the community. I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing. I just knew that that was the right thing to do. So part of my answer to that question Mimi, which is a, really a great question. It's it, again, it's the vibe test. It's the vibe test. And um, on a side note, who gets paid more? The general, the, as far as doctors are concerned, the general practitioner or the neurosurgeon, the specialist. At some point in time, folks, you're going to need to pick a lane. You're going to need to pick a lane at what you study with someone who's, you know, again, got experience, they've been in the game a while. Um, they're, they're doing what you want to do. I also recommend picking someone who's fun and entertaining because that's a major part of the learning process. Okay. And, and go as deep as you can or want to with that person, because here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to be this person, which I've consulted with. I've seen these people, I've seen these people. And, um, just one person comes to mind. I got hired to, an audit a, a, a coach's offering. And I'm, I'm serious when I say this. They had 21 things that they did. They had 21 different things they did from tarot card reading to soul retrieval <laughs> to family constellation to chakra balancing to Swedish massage to shiatsu massage to foot massage, like all, and then a bunch of other stuff, angel sessions. And you had to check the box of whatever you wanted. Talk about decision fatigue in sales. It's called the paradox of choice. So the more, the more choices, uh, a confused buyer says no every time. The more choices someone has when it comes to working with people, uh, the less likely they are to make a decision. And then, and, and then, it, then it came to payment. There was another section, and you could pay. You could pay five payments of five, once you tallied up the all the stuff, five payments of $555.55. So they had all these sacred numbers in there. And I just, she was a friend too. I was like, sweetheart, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. Mass, jack of all trades, master of none. So my advice is to, in the early stages of your exploration, unless you strike gold and you'll know it if you feel it, when it comes to studying with someone, do some R&D. Do some research and development. And that's one of the things that I was doing. I went out and studied with, with, with eight of the nine. Let's see if I can remember, recount them all. So Gary Craig from Emotional Freedom Technique, Richard Bandler from Neuro Linguistic Programming, Bob Stevens from Conscious Language, Leonard Orr from Rebirthing, Bert Hellinger from Family Constellations, Steve Richards from Holographic Kinetics. That's six. And there were there were two other people. And that that so so another part of my answer is show up in person. What's the what what is the person you're studying like in person? That'll tell you a whole lot because you can get some of it through a you know one of these and show up and see what see what the other coaches are like. 
you'll learn a lot about a coaching system through the coaches community. Sure. That's, that's some mm -hmm. other inside baseball. So yeah, that's part of my answer. Um, don't be a jack of all trades, folks. Negation acknowledged. Well, and it seems like even if you have a, this wide cornucopia, this beautiful array of different skills, you don't have to showcase them on your website. You can choose a niche or something and then know that you have all of these tools in your tool belt yeah. if the person in front of you requires that rather than making the person choose the modality of healing when they might not even know what family constellations mean. So I, I do want to throw that in there where it's like, yeah, be good, be good at a bunch of things if you want to. Um, but you don't have to list them for, for yeah, someone else and, to choose. And what I'm hearing some takeaways here is is you've got an expertise. You know, you may have a broad uh, wealth of knowledge, but you've got an expertise and you're hyper focused on that expertise. You've you have experience. You know, you've got years of experience, uh, a diverse diverse set of experiences, and you've had mentorship from masters, and not just one. Maybe it's multiple masters and you've spent time in, as the student. And I think those are critical instead of just how many followers does this person have? How sexy yeah. is their website? What's their sales funnel look like? And if I scroll down on their Instagram, you know, how appealing to my my eyesight is their their aesthetic aesthetic. Yeah. Huge, critical. Um from from the from the student perspective, oftentimes there's there's an eventual interest in transitioning into the coach or or the mentor and i think that that can be quite romanticized and and become enticing especially in the world that we live in where you see folks who are able to step in and embody the coach and are quite successful at it we've even had listeners we're not we're not coaches we don't proclaim to be coaches but we've had listeners and folks from our community you know, come out and say like, hey, I'm, I'm so inspired to be better. To, I, I love this personal development space. I'm going to become a coach. Where do I start? How do I, how do I evaluate the proper programs? So from the, from the lens of maybe the listener, the student, someone who feels this call to be a coach, how would you advise they check themselves before they wreck themselves? pertaining to whether or not they should be a coach? What are some things that they should be looking for within themselves that might suggest they will make a great coach? Hey, homies. If you're anything like Chase and I, you really enjoy exercise and building a healthy, strong body. Obviously, what we do inside the gym is important, but what we do outside of the gym is just as critical to our success like the supplements you're using to support your results. One of our favorite conscious body brands is called Keon. We've both been using Keon for a few years now for muscle building, strength, and recovery. Keon is well known for being super clean, super tasty, and super effective. Our supplement trifecta. Chase and I both use the aminos, the whey protein, and the creatine on a regular basis. Yes, creatine is for women too, and Keon's is top of the top shelf. To learn more about Keon, head to our medicine cabinet at themedicine.com and use the code medicine, M-E-D-I-C-I-N, for a nice discount on any and all Keon products. Enjoy. It, 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 what kind of coaching, what, what are they interested in? 
I don't know of one great coach that is not interested in the thing that they're coaching. So one, where are their interests? And it could be in um, physical fitness. Okay. Are you passionate about it? There, there's, it's very hard to hide passion and interest and excitement. Why would you? Okay. So, so pay attention to what lights you up. Pay attention to what you're attracted to, because that is some very powerful feedback. And now that I'm talking this thing out, that could be the, the number one piece of feedback because attraction is not a choice. It's not a choice. You, good luck talking yourself into being attracted to somebody. Good right. luck talking yourself out of being attracted to somebody. And it's the same thing with modalities. So I have a martial arts background, and um, and there's a, there's a lot of parallels between martial arts and healing arts. Okay, what martial arts are you most attracted to? Okay, those are usually that's a very good <laughs> barometer of um, what you should go and and study. Um, and then, and then another thing that comes to mind, um, if, if you're looking to be in the transformation space, very frequently, that's an understatement, that's going to entail helping people with their stories and emotions and getting clear about how much of that, if at all, you want to participate in is, is important as well. So 65% of our coaches come from the fitness space, and I've done at least 35 workshops in CrossFit gyms. And some of the people in the CrossFit space, CrossFit coaches, fitness coaches, they take a one look at what we're doing as in, hey, pick up a pen and write that down that story that's been haunting you for God knows how long, and we're going to go into it. The emotions and feels are going to come up. We're going to get the breath in there, and we're going to get you through it. There's no such thing as getting over something. you got to go into it. you got to go through it. Uh, none of this stuff is new. This is all old school, like really ancient stuff. The, Joseph Campbell said it. He said, any feeling felt all the way through is bliss. And so anyway, uh, some coaches take a look at what we're doing. They're like, I want nothing to do with that. Right. I want nothing to do with that. Give me my macros. Give me my eating meal plans and my workouts, and I'm good to go. And I, you know what I say? I say, I understand, and I mean that. Some coaches look at what we're doing, and they say, yeah, I do want to work with people at that level. And I say the exact same thing in the, in the exact same way. I understand. And so um, pay attention to what you're attracted to. And go find somebody who's really good at it. Go find somebody who's really good at it and you vibe with those. That's, that's a, uh, that, that's a good, that's a good. And, and then look at their students because you can, you can absolutely gauge the quality of a teacher. There's two levels to this in my personal and professional opinion. You can gauge the quality of a teacher on the quality of their students. That's level one. And then level two is you can gauge the quality of a teacher on the quality of their students' students. Hmm. Once it gets once it gets past the student students, it's out of your hands. So for me personally, I'm going to do this work for 50 years. I'm 16 years in. And like I said, we, we graduated group 37 yesterday. I'm going to do the first 100 level one certifications. At this pace, I've got six, six and a half years till that's done. And when that's done, I'm going to take a look at who's around, who's in the community, who's been busy, uh, who's who's gotten their experience, who's
who's got the natural talent and most importantly, who wants to do it because coaches, you choose the coaches choose themselves. And then from there, I'm going to support uh, our coaches that want to train. They want as in they want to certify and um, I'll, I'll, I will be watching their students and then, but yeah, so I said it. You, you um, treat you by its fruits, right? Correct. 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 Yeah. That's that's the, the Bible said that, folks, and it's true. We will reap what we sow. You will know it. You will know a teacher by their students. You will know a, a a tree by its fruits. And this whole thing, let's get abracadabra on the table too. Um, this whole conversation about the power of our words and stories—it's ancient. Yep. Mm-hmm. So when I say abracadabra, what do you all immediately think of? Magic. A magic maybe. spell. Magic. Everybody does. In 2000, so I lived in Thailand for a decade. I also lived in Ecuador for about 18 months. And I'm out to dinner in 2013 with some friends. And there's a guy who knew what I was into. And he goes, hey, man, you know what abracadabra means? I'm like, yeah, 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 magic. And he goes, no, no, it's way cooler than that. He he said, abracadabra, you can look this up, is Aramaic, which you, you, you might have heard this. And it translates, it's an ancient language. And it translates to with my word I create or with my word I influence. And they would they would triangulate it and wear it around their neck mm. to remind them of the power and the mechanism of the spoken word. Shout out to William Arthur Jewelry. Cool. He's, he's my ruler. Yeah, he made me a custom abracadabra piece. And um, a Russell Brand, he just bought one of these. Not the same piece, but he, he bought an abracadabra. Cadaver. The word, the word about the words is getting out. That's mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. That's so cool that you that you created that and or that he created that for you um, to a, as a reminder. And it's uh, the the I had heard that before about about um, abracadabra, and it's probably said you know completely differently in in Aramaic. But um, I studied a, a little bit of Aramaic for for a time a few years ago. Uh, and it was really interesting to see how that uh, culture, that language, that way of interacting with with sounds and vibration was in a creative and uh, picturesque way. And the the Lord's Prayer, like I, I was able to study the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic, and it was so, it's not even close to how we think of words in English, in westernized English. It's a completely different way of creating imagery with your words. And uh, that was one thing that that was re- that really stood out to me about Aramaic. And I'm going off on a tangent here, but it's just interesting because, it, you know, that's where we get a lot of these sayings and parables from the Bible, from Jesus. Well, guess what, folks? Jesus spoke Aramaic and he thought in pictures and creative ways that it's really hard for us as westernized English speaking Americans to even like fully wrap our mind around. And uh, it was just so fascinating when I studied the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic. And I was like, this is completely different than what I recited in school and church for all of my life. This is this is an interaction. This is a relationship. This is like one phrase, one word can mean 10 different things. And it just depends on the context of what you're creating. Anyways, I'm total tangent, but just uh, uh, speaking to the, the the creation is like we can't even fully wrap our minds around it. 
I'm, I'm right there with you, sis. We're, we're under the spell of, of modern English. I'm going to say that again. We're under the spell of modern English. The definition of a spell, Webster's not mine, is a word or a combination of words of great influence. And uh, one of my buddies in Thailand, he was an Ayurvedic doctor. He, he said something once off the cuff, and I, I just it, it snapped me to attention. And uh, he, he said the English language is a slave language. Mm. The English language is a slave language. And I, I didn't ask him anything more about that. Some part of me knew that there's there, you, need, you need to stare at that. You need to contemplate it because there's three levels of thought. There's thinking. That's when you do it once. There's considering. That's when you do it a few times. And then there's contemplation. That's when you stare at a thing until it reveals its secrets to you. And the way that the, the English language is used almost exclusively today. It, it is externalized. It is vague and it is inflammatory. She never lets me live my life. Okay. That's externalized. She victim villain, mental imagery right there all day long. I'm in the picture. She's in the picture. She's doing something to me. She's not even around. That could have been, you know, I see her once a month or whatever, maybe I, whatever. And, and it, it inflames the imagination, traps the breath in the chest, creates excess rigidity in the body. It's a, technically it's called amygdala hijack, and it, it turns us into um, zombies of sorts because uh, when someone goes into a stress response, now this is the mechanics of storytelling. When we're in a stress state and the breath is in the chest, we get, get fixated on something. We get fixated on an idea, a picture, okay? Our our listening skills tank. It's like we've all had or tried to have a conversation with someone who's very emotional. We got it's like talking to a what a brick wall because they literally can't hear us. The 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 stronger the emotional charge, the, the higher the breath gets in the chest, the less ability someone has to listen, and we also lose access to our creative faculties. So if you want to trick a group of people um, and um, get them to do things that you want them to do, uh, scare them. Mm -hmm. and, and better yet, get them to scare themselves. So if you give them the – and the language is an inheritance, everybody. We've inherited this thing, this tool this, to tell ourselves a story about ourselves. And, and there's, um, there is a way. We teach this way to use the, to use the English language to create space and clarity, to downregulate the nervous system, to become more accurate with our language. And when I mean language, I mean internal dialogue and external dialogue. What we think, what we say, what we write, that's your language. And to become more self-reflective in that process. And we've got a built-in something in us that when we we get we get um positive reinforcement when we go from he's wasting my time to i'm wasting my time yeah that's yeah. gonna piss me off for a hot second but then i go oh wait well then i can change and then i go and then the air comes out and i'm like okay yay i feel better so there's some part of our evolutionary biology um uh that rewards us for coming, becoming more responsible with our storytelling. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So many of us are afraid to fail and we're afraid to be criticized. And we live in a world where you, if you have any public platform, which many do because they're on social media, you're just nitpicked left and right. 
And that fear of failure even suggests that we can lean into that externalization, that blame of somebody else, blame of my environment as a way to separate ourselves from the responsibility and or the potential of quote unquote failing or being criticized. And so I, in my own life, we, we got divorced uh, earlier in, in our relationship. I had worked in a very intense uh, in, uh, environment in a public finance firm for you know five, six years. I had so many opportunities for my own misery to externalize them to to ha- I literally had a, a a bouquet of reasons to uh, justify why I wasn't well, why I wasn't happy, was I why I wasn't fulfilling the opportunities that were uh, in front of me to the degree that I would have liked. And it wasn't until I you know found myself in a in a personal development self development type community where they s- essentially started putting it into my face like yo you know you're responsible for any and all of this mm-hmm. stop shooting yourself there's opportunity to take responsibility for your own life and then you have the control you have the ability to start pushing through these obstacles and actually experience growth and evolution. And and it's so wildly powerful when you start, for instance, one of these practices that I partook in was taking inventory of your thoughts and quite literally just a positive thought or a negative thought, being conscious for one day on the amount of positive or negative thoughts that are running through your, your conscious mind. And to take inventory of those for me at that point in time was literally a 100x negative, pessimistic, skeptical, cynic version of myself and that had notes galore. And I eventually gave up. I couldn't even do it towards the end, by the end of the day versus the positive ones, just trumped the positive ones. And similarly, I wrote a what was a, a fuck you letter and it came out like just liquid how easily I could write a fuck you letter to myself. And then uh, an opposite of that is a I fucking love you letter where I'm highlighting all of my positive attributes. And it was like pulling teeth. It was so difficult. And I was so afraid to put anything down because God forbid I, I fuck one of these up. And if I'm saying I'm good at something, but if I fail tomorrow, Jesus Christ, that makes it even worse. And so like this was 10 years ago, a little less than that. But once you are aware of the amount of negative or pessimistic thoughts that are running through your body at all times, you start to see and feel how those words are building this little portal that you step through and experience your entire world through. And the power of those words are quite literally crafting your reality. It's painting the filter with which you see life through. And until you really sit back and start to believe and experience this idea that our words are the code with which we operate our lives through, it, it, it you just unconsciously walk through life and fingers crossed, hope that through happenstance, things go your way. Oh, yeah. I like that. A bouquet of reasons. Mm-hmm. What, a bouquet of reasons. What... what are you suggesting folks in, in your coaching practice and with your coaches, how do they start to become aware? And awareness is the first step before you know consciously integrating something, um, but become aware of their stories. Glad you asked. Um, definition of the victim mentality. Let's do that. Let's do it. Because then, then that sets the stage for where to start with your words. So most people, if you got a pen, everybody, and a piece of paper, Grab it. Most people have never heard the definition of the victim mentality, much less 
written it down. And here are the numbers, 30, 50, 80. We remember 30% of what we hear, 50% of what we write, 80% of what we turn around and teach or share. So if you put pen to paper, you're now in an extremely exclusive club of people that have written down the definition of the victim mentality, and you'll get you'll get more for your time. So I'll do this twice. First time, slow. I'm going to take a pinch out of the middle. This is the verbatim definition of the victim mentality. Second time, I'll speed it up, give it some context, and then tell everybody where to start because it's easy. The victim mentality is an acquired personality trait where a person tends to regard himself or herself as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence. The victim mentality depends on a habitual thought process and attributions. That's the definition of the victim mentality. Second time, a little faster, with some polish. The victim mentality is an acquired personality trait where a person tends. It's a tendency, folks. Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. A person tends to regard himself or herself as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence. Yep, we'll make shit up if we have to. Second sentence, the victim mentality depends, underline that word, on a habitual, circle that word, thought process, and attributions. That second sentence is right between the eyes, right where it belongs. The victim mentality depends, as in it has to have a habitual, which accurately implies duration and addiction, thought process. What's a thought process? Glad you asked. It's how you put your words together. We all have one. And then attributions. What's an attribution? It's a characteristic. The main characteristic that we focus on is, is uh, besides the words, is breathing. We're known as the language people. Sweet. It's nice to be known for something. We might as well be known as the language and the breathing people. And push comes to shove. It's about the breath. Okay? We're here to help people unlock their breath and, um, and give themselves space and clarity in their life. And um, I can also, if, if we have time, a little bit in a, in a hot second, circle back into, into a couple of the key differences between an amateur and a professional coach. Okay. And so based on that definition of the victim mentality, the habitual thought process, there's, there's in the enlifted method, there's three pillars of what we call conflict language. Okay. Which, which account for roughly 85% of the language patterns, the words that people use to script the victim mentality, whether they like it or not. I don't care how over you are feeling like a victim of something or other. As long as you put the words together, he did that to me, you're getting the victim villain mental imagery. It doesn't matter how sick you are of it because two plus two equals four. So where do people start? Soft talk. So the three, the three pillars are projections. You you are ruining my life. They are wasting my time. Dad treats me like a child. You start taking out the dads and the days and the she's and the he's and people's first name and putting in eyes. Part of you is going to hate it. 
Okay. That the projections, that's where the bitterness is. Yeah. Okay. That's where the strongest emotions are. And then there's negations. Um, I won't make that mistake again. Um, I, I can't spend all my money this weekend. Um, I, I, I can't keep living like this. And it, so it forces us to make, it, it puts the can'ts, won'ts, isn'ts, nots, haven'ts, shouldn'ts, it, don'ts. It, it forces us to put stuff, the things we don't want on our internal vision board, also known as our imagination. And, you know, it takes some time to get the, your head around that. Hey, homie, did you hear that Organifi, the creators of the best and most delicious green juice in the world, now has a crisp apple version? You guys, it is so dang good. I love the original green juice, but this may be my new favorite Organifi product. The apple taste isn't too strong. It's just the right amount. So Green Juice Crisp Apple has all the same benefits of the original green juice with a new crisp twist and refreshing taste and only two grams of sugar using organic whole apple sources handpicked from our home state of Washington. Holler! I drink green juice on a daily basis because the clinical dose of ashwagandha really helps support my body's stress response and cortisol levels. And you know what they say, you're either making stress hormones or sex hormones, not both. So green juice really is sexy. To grab your new sexy green juice, crisp apple, go to Organifi.com and remember to use the code MIMIFIT, M-I-M-I-F-I-T at checkout for a hefty 20% off on all your Organifi orders. Cheers and love, boo. Uh, and, and then there's soft talk. I think I might be drinking too much coffee. <laughs> it's almost like I'm procrastinating. <laughs> I guess I'm avoiding that person. What am I doing there? You're diluting the problem. Correct. And kind of, you're kind of diluting the problem. Yeah, <laughs> kind of, sort of diluting the problem, and keeping it just in in outside at at fingers length, so I don't have to make a decision, so I don't have to make some change. And um, this is called soft talk. There's only a handful of soft talk keywords. I'm about to rattle them off, and this is where you start the conversation because there's it's so easy. People's these these are more annoying than anything else. And they're so, it's so easy just to take the guess. I think we probably should go do, and then you're like, no, wait a minute. Take out the probably and the should. No, we're going to go do, okay? Or I'm going to go do. And you start talking yourself into stuff, and you start building momentum, and things get more interesting, and you sound different. And people, if you're in a position of leadership or want to get in a position of leadership, if you got a whole bunch of these words in your words, then you're it's hard to be inspiring like that. That's an understatement. So if you got a pen and a piece of paper, everybody, and you can get a, uh, we have a seven day soft talk challenge, www.enlifted.me backslash soft talk. Okay. Dating advice. Also, I was going to say guys listening, everything that you're saying is helping someone, assisting someone in, in, you know, increasing or amplifying their masculine energy which is purpose-driven 
it's cutting, it's action oriented. And if a guy is having a, and this works for women as well, but if a guy's having issues with, oh man, I just, you know, I'm friend I, zone. I'm friend zone, zone everywhere. you're probably soft talking a lot. You are soft talking a lot. Well, good cat. And I almost did this. I almost did it. I almost used the example uh, since, since it's y'all and y'all. Yeah. So hey, fellas, go, go, go ask a girl out on a date and go, do you think you might want to maybe go out on a date with me sometime? Say it just like that. Let me know what your, what your close rate is <laughs> as opposed to look, look, at, the, look at the difference. Exactly. What kind of fe- what kind of energy does that create in you, Mimi? It doesn't make me feel safe. It makes me feel like are you, are you are you trying to make me convince you to like? Are you sure that that's what you want to do? Doesn't like it doesn't sound like you're sure you want to go on a, a date with me. As opposed to I want to go on a date with you. What are you doing Saturday night? You get clearer with your language. You get more conscious and constructive with your language, and your breathing is going to unlock. And since we're talking about going on dates, that's a big deal. Go on a first date and hold your breath because your language and your story is out of control in your head and see how comfortable everybody else feels. Trust me, women pick up on that. Go out on a – oh, and by the way, you're going to be a bad listener. You're probably going to end up talking too much and and, because that's that's stress response, breath in the chest, bad listening, bad listening. Go on a date. Breathe well. Watch what happens. Mm-hmm. Good breathe. We have a co- we have a saying in the coaching and in lifted coaching uh, uh, community. Good breathing equals good coaching because good breathing equals good listening, and good listening equals good coaching. So good breathing equals good coaching. Good so breathing. Here they are. It's like good living. Yeah, for sure. All around. I mean, sex life, the whole thing. You because you can. You can plug all kinds of stuff into, hey, your breath is stuck in your chest. I have social anxiety disorder. Oh, you mean your breath is trapped in the chest. I get nervous when people question me. Oh, your, your breath is trapped in your chest. Um, um, when I give a presentation, I, you know, I, 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 I forget where I'm, um, what I'm talking about oh your breath is trapped in chest look at this i suffer from premature ejaculation oh you mean your breath is trapped in your chest yeah and you when people (laughs) that that might sell everybody on this thing you correlate the dudes and the girls they're like hey buddy work on your story you correlate your words certain words to breath trapped in your chest to premature ejaculation to not having a good sex life then that is that's that's highly motivating (laughs) just yeah yeah Start changing your words. Dude, I, I used to do that. My breath was, I was so in my head in you know, my 20s about my about sex and and so my breath was trapped in my chest. And what do you think happened? It was like, eh, most of the time. And, it's half the time. and then as I got into my stories and started dismantling these, these victim centricities and my breathing unlocked and descended down to my chest and it been into my, into my abdomen. And now I'm, I'm, in a parasympathetic nervous system response when I'm having sex there, it's, it's a completely different ball game. Where do we start? Soft talk. I'm going to read these out. Get your pen, get a paper. Here they are in all their glory. 
probably, perhaps, feels like, guess, maybe, could, might, possibly, sort of, kind of, potentially, hopefully, try, one day, should, almost like. It's all. It's almost like I'm gonna get over these, all these insecurities. If those <laughs> words are in your language, you're going to struggle to move things forward. And here's here's and it goes both ways with identity, everybody. If you practice being, if you practice indecision, as if you use those words, you're going to create indecision. If you practice be indecision for long enough, eventually you will identify yourself as indecisive. And once you identify yourself as indecisive, then you get really good at being indecisive. Same thing with, it goes both ways. You practice being consistent and eventually you go, damn, I'm really consistent. And now that you've identified yourself as such, you're going to get even better at being consistent. And this is where mindset is going, everybody. I'm calling it now. I've been talking about it for years. I'm watching it happen. Mindset, the conversation about mindset is going to the words. What words to use less of and why? What words to use more of and why? And when we add in the words, com part of the conversation, now mindset becomes practical. As in you can practice thinking, writing, and speaking in better ways. And a whole lot of stuff is downstream from that. So... Is this a good time? I know I go on rants and tangents professionally. Is this a good time to talk about pro and amateurs yes. coaching? Yeah. Yep. Um, there's more to this conversation, and these are very valuable things to consider or contemplate, depending on what level of thinker you are. Answers push. Questions pull. Answers push everybody, questions pull. And I, for the first couple of years of my coaching, I thought I had to have all the answers. I thought I had to have all the answers to all my clients' problems, which if you really, if you scratch the surface of that, that means I've got to be smarter and more wise than all of my clients about everything. Yeah. And so I and and then and then it gets and then it gets really convoluted and um, codependent. Then and then I need them to believe me. I need them to agree with me. And if they don't agree with me, then what are they paying me for? And and oh, and it gets worse. If 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 I have to have all the answers for them, then that means I have to have all the answers for me. And nobody has all the answers for them because if they did, their life would be picture perfect. And then so what? Well, wait a minute, my life isn't picture perfect, but I have to have all the answers for me because I have all the answers for them. Whoa! And then the imposter syndrome is just waiting to jump out from behind a dumpster and mug you because you're not that thing that you claim to be. As in, I have all the right answers. Dot one eight hundred hotline. I got all the right answers, Coach. Okay, mm -hmm. that is that is that is a very stressful place to to be. And if you do that, you're going to feel like an imposter. And um, well, we've already talked about what happens when the imposter syndrome shows up and stays there. It gets Pete. It get coaches. Gets coaches.
coaches out of the game. And one of the things that we're here to do is to help coaches stay in the game and get good and, and do the two things that are most important when it comes to coaching as in, as in being a professional coach. You've got to create an impact with your clients. You have got to deliver transformation and you have to make money. If you only haven't make an impact, then you've got a hobby. If you're, if you're making an impact and there's no money there, you're not making money, then you've got a hobby. If you're only making money and you're not an impact, then that's going to be a very lonely island to live on and you're not going to enjoy that version either. You put those two things together. You're paying the bills. You're making the money that you want and you're having the impact that you want with your, with your, with your clients and your community. Then you are, you are, that is the sweet spot. Okay. And then, and so let's go back to questions and answers. So, so, so answers push questions pull. We're going to talk about three things, three things between professionals and amateurs when it comes to coaching. The best coaches in the world ask good questions. Your quality of questions is indicative of the quality of your coaching. Answers push, questions pull. Here's another way of saying it. Answers, I tell them, questions, they tell them. Your client has the answers, and your job is to pull that out. And if you want to, I'm, I'm serious when I say this, if you want to 100x the power of your questions, marry Good, simple questions with low and slow breathing, as in breathing down in your abdomen, because that is the demonstration of you being non-attached to the answer that comes out of them. And you combine a good question, which with I'm I, I don't care what comes out of you. That's that whole no can defend stuff. Breath trapped in the chest. I'm attached, whether I want to admit it or not, to the answer to the outcome, to the whole thing. Breath trapped in the chest, that's the demonstration of attachment. Breath low and slow, good good coaches are good breathers. You're breathing. So the first thing is know the difference between questions and answers. There's a huge difference. Second thing is breathe well, breathe low and slow when you're coaching, especially if you're going into, into stories of an emotional nature. Um, because one that'll set the rhythm, it'll set the it'll 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 set the container to use some more modern language, and um, and it will also allow the person. So you're you're making when you're breathing in your abdomen, you're making whatever they're about to say okay before they say it, and you'll be shocked at what people get out of them. Okay, breath trapped in the chest, people pick up on that in coaching and dating, and and when you're breathing. Well, combine that. So the third thing is don't believe your clients. Hmm. Don't believe them. That sounds cold at first until we, until we unpack it. Do not believe your clients because if you believe your clients, it's called drama bonding. And if you do that strong enough, then you get into trauma bonding. So instead of believing your client's story that they want to change, by the way, observe your client's story. Observe your client's story. What does that mean? When you observe your client's story as opposed to believing it, you believe your client's story. Your breath is going to get up here and you get sucked in and then the whole thing gets convoluted and messy. When you observe your client's story, then you're able to track the big five 
Here's the big five, the words your clients are using. If you're believing your client's story, you're not tracking the words. You're sucked into the drama. The words they're using, their rate of speech, your client's rate of speech is it's very important to track. Here's a good rule of thumb. It's better than a good rule of thumb. It's a phenomenal rule of thumb. The faster your client's story goes, the harder it is to change. The faster the story goes, the, the, the more the breath is in the chest. Good luck changing a fast story with the breath in the chest and no words written down on paper. Have fun with that. So you get to track the words. You get to track the rate of speech. You get to track the inflection. Super important. You get to track their body language. What are they doing with their, 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 their hands and then the breath? And so when your client gets in and, – oh, and by the way, if they're paying you to help them change their story – why would I believe the story they're telling me now when 30 minutes from now they're going to have a different story because I'm going to help them change it? Why would I go ahead and believe that now? Yeah. No, this is just where we're at. You put and, – and again, there's, there's, there's plenty more to this conversation. And that right there is coaching gold, folks. That is really, really powerful. Really, really excellent. I, I'm – there, there, there is going. It could be emotional, right? This client could have an emotional story, and it's one thing to sit there and you know hold space to use a term that's just everywhere, but real to hold space and validate the emotional experience that they've had that they're telling you about or are having in the process of telling. That's different than literally interpreting every single word they have to say as the true story, and and, and that's what I'm seeing is like looking deeper beyond. The literal words that are coming out of their mouth, knowing that the the emotions can be held and contained, but working past that that wall, that projection of what's happened to them, and finding the source for some level of maybe that's questioning, but pulling pulling them into the potential answer that they'll experience themselves is what I'm hearing, and that's really, really powerful stuff. And one thing that I wanted to highlight too, because you said it pretty quickly, but I think it's it's the foundation of all real self-development. You said, you know, uh, if you're giving someone the answer, you're telling them. If you're giving them a question or proposing a question, they tell them, which we've talked about that concept in different words a hundred times on the podcast where it's like, it's about real self-development is is the person taking ownership of their experience. And we can tell, you know, friends and family like, oh, you're having this problem? Well, here's what you should do. And yeah, we may be right, but it's not going to land. It's not going to stick. It's not going to have any impact until they take ownership of that. And they, they either ask you for help or they are able to tell themselves through questioning like, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? What would, How would your life be different if they tell themselves and it lands differently in their body than someone yeah. speaking at them? You wonder why the, the traditional education system doesn't work well. We've got people telling you the answers, memorize the answers, don't experience it for yourself. We've got education, mainstream education, mainstream politics, you know, pseudo leadership, pseudo science, science authorities out there telling you all of the answers. When, no wonder we yeah. haven't learned a damn thing. It's yeah. because we've never come to the conclusions ourselves. There are mega industries, everybody, built off of the back of the collective victim mentality. And in my personal and professional opinion, the way to dismantle that thing is, 
is through our own story first and then and then being in a community of people that are doing the same for them unlocking what would have we got with 8 billion people give or take walking around and most people are breathing terribly <laughs> what is and it, what is the universe i listen man i got listen to, make sure you know who you're listening to everybody here i've got i'm an elementary school pe teacher i have a handful of mma fights i've got an iq of 12 okay and 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 in my simple world, the universe is a feedback loop. Mm. And whatever 8 million, billion people are projecting to it, it's going to give us that back collectively. And that takes the whole conversation about people get the government they deserve uh, to a, a different level of responsibility. How about people get the, the get people get the villain they create? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, work on the micro and it works on the macro. And if it works on it, works on both, then it's worth considering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 everything that you you said uh, is is spot on, and and it's you know reflective of things that we talk about all the time. I just love I love how you're able to kind of package it in in a way that people can can absorb. Yeah, yeah. So so moving a little bit into because because I know there's two sets of people that are listening to this right now that are likely going to take action from this episode, and I want to point them in the right direction. We're going to have some, I'm sure, who are interested in becoming coaches and going through the Enlifted pro, uh, protocols and programs to become a coach. And then we're going to have some folks going, I want to work with somebody who is a coach under this platform and who's been through this system. Can you speak to and, and direction orient the, the two of these uh, listeners that are likely interested in taking action from here? Super easy and, and glad to. For the people that are interested in learning more about the and lifted certifications go to enlifted.me. That's our website. That's everything you need to know. If you want to work with an enlifted coach to go into the stories, and it's 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 there's gonna be some heavy lifting. There will be emotions felt, promise, promise. Go to at enlifted coaches and say that you heard us on uh, on the medicine podcast and that you'd like to work with a coach, we'll ask you some questions and Perry, we got 370 coaches. We got coaches for men, women, we got a singing coach, got the, the, whatever it is, whatever we'll, we'll ask you some questions and find somebody in our community. That's is a very good fit for you. And we enjoy doing that a lot. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get those links from you and we'll put them in the show notes, you guys. So check there um, for direct access um so the at and lifted coaches was on instagram correct correct yes that's on instagram and i'll send this to you once we're done the this this thing's now famous the enlifted soft talk challenge at, at uh, all right the, you get seven days it'll help you with the thinks and the maybes and the butts and life gets better when you take them out yeah, yeah, mm. I, I want to do it. We're yeah. gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna do the seven day soft talk challenge, and and we'll uh, do it. We will do it. I said we're going to. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be correcting each other like oh, soft talk is like. Well, okay. Hell yeah. yeah, let's go. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Is there any other closing words? Any final thoughts that you want to leave uh, our listener before we ask you our final question of the podcast? There is, there is one thing that I, I, I feel. What's your favorite Ryan Sprague story? 
Uh. <laughs> Actually, I, I got I off the top of my head. I totally know it. We were at an event with Ryan here in uh, San Diego area, and it, it was actually in the Temecula area, so I'm like an hour away from our home. And uh, Ryan brings some of his his uh, alchemical and magical cannabis to the event, and I've, oh, I'm, I'm a yeah. cannabis consumer myself, um, and I partake. Uh, like yeah, it's fine. Totally, I can completely handle this. I'm passing around a bag, passing around for about a volcano bag, a couple hours. Heat lime. What's that? Tahiti lime. And I, I I have no, no idea what no it was, what it was. Uh, and I partake and um, I should not have dr- drove necessarily, but I felt okay. I felt really great. Very engaged. I wasn't checked out by any means, but we drive home. We have the most like productive conversation ever. It's really beautiful. And we get home, uh, you know, continue out through the night, maybe in an hour or two, fall asleep, go to bed, wake up in the morning. And my whoop, whoop band, which I was wearing had registered my sleep at like 16 hours because when i took a hit (laughs) ryan's bags cannabis my body went into such a parasympathetic state (laughs) that it was it believed me to be sleeping and so i had the best night's sleep ever recorded on the whoop band history (laughs) with 16 hours and, and beautiful rest and restoration hrv through the roof I've given him that information in case he wants to use it for any sort of promotional material. Um, but that one is definitely up there. I was about to ask, does he know, does he know this? <laughs> Ryan, Ryan's, he's one of our level three coaches. He's one of the funniest, fun, funniest people yep. that I, I've ever met. So we're on, we're on the family farm, right? Now. I'm at the family farm right now. We're on about 120 acres. And two weekends ago, we had 35 people out here for my 47th birthday party. And we, we all camped out. It's just so, so much fun. When's your birthday? July 29th. Oh, my. I You said two weekends ago. I thought maybe we were closer. Uh, mine's August 7th, but continue. It's close enough. Uh, it, Ryan was here. Rachel was here. Um, they brought their dog, Pierre. And four, four or five times he's come down to the our family's lake house when we're having we just pack it full of our favorite people and the stories like the, the, did you ever have you ever done one lung breathing with him so you're no. getting the people and it's, it's so they'll the smoke the the stuff and getting it the, and then it just one story comes to mind he's and it's this these stories are it's it's one is i'm gonna do it anyway and i understand that a secondhand story isn't that funny if you know ryan sprague this it's hilarious we were sitting there and he was telling this story about this body worker that that came in to do sessions with all of his him and his mom and and all these people and he was just this guy was really profound and 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 ryan is ryan and, and he said he was working on him and he goes the the, the body worker goes uh, don't don't be sad for people that have passed on. They're living their life from beyond the veil. And Ryan goes, I thought about it for a second, and I just go, stick. It was like it was just this 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 this, this answer for it was like something out of Bill and Ted's. So it was this golden nugget from like the Dalai Lama, and his answer was sick. <laughs> we love him, Ryan Sprague. We love you. He is a he is a, a golden retriever embodied in a human in a human vehicle. That is a perfect way to say it. Check yeah. check the guy out, everybody. Highly optimized. This once upon a time on 
psychedelics. He's a multi uh, medicine podcast guest and a, yeah, and a dear friend. A yeah, we, yeah, we love him so much and, and so glad he connected us to you. This has been just an absolute gift, my friend. Um, we just appreciate where, your time. San Diego, pardon me for interrupting. Where are y'all in SoCal? Coronado Island, right out right out of San Diego. You're on Coronado. Yes. Okay. I did a summer down in IB and Encinitas. Great. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, myself and Kimberly were coming out to do the Paul Check podcast again. Oh, oh great. great. Yeah. I'll hit y'all up. We'll get Paul's together. Our, Paul's our homie. We yeah. he's he's our he's like our uncle. He's like yeah. our dear, dear friend. Awesome. Done. Perfect. We'll have to connect. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us and our listeners. We just appreciate you and your work so much um, and really just excited to be connected with another epic human. Thank you, Ryan Sprague. <laughs> Last question we ask every guest on the Medicine Podcast uh, as we lean into these quote-unquote medicines uh, that are supportive of healing our body, our mind, our relationships, and they may not come in an orange bottle with a white cap uh, but are nonetheless medicines. What feels like medicine for you currently in your life, Mark? Fishing. Mm. We've Fishing. never had that answer. That's a great answer. Yeah. Yeah. Fishing. And I forgot. I totally forgot. I When I was a kid, I used to get so excited about fishing and fishing rods and fishing lures. I would go look at the lures when... Uh, um, when I wasn't fishing and like, it was just, it was this, it was this thing. And I totally forgot about that. Mm. And I went into a sporting goods store about three months ago and, and I bought this, I bought myself a fishing rod, this one right here. And they had the same lures for sale. Like when I was a kid, like these little beetle spins, <laughs> this, this is the rod and we're on a mile of riverfront. Good, good smallmouth river. And um, I got emotional. Mm. These little jitterbugs. It, it, it took me back to when I was nine. Mm. And I got really emotional. And I was like, this is cool. It was like the good feels, the good emotions. And um, I bought a, a, bought a fishing pole. And um, I'm going to go fishing this afternoon. And it's just... Mm. That's what's medicine for me List. right now. Yeah. I'm not listening stories i'm not talking about words which i love and a little bit of not that yes please yeah bliss yeah, and love play it. peace and how those little flirts from your childhood resurface i love that you're leaning into that thank you so much brother all right you guys thank you for spending time with us today check out the show notes for all of the links and we will talk to you next time go spread some light okay bye Hey friend, thanks for listening. Did you hear anything today that expanded your mind, made you laugh, touched your soul, or caused you to think differently about this topic? I hope so. I invite you to share this episode with someone you love. It takes 30 seconds and has the potential for a great ripple effect. Our world needs more people having real, honest, and open-minded dialogue on big topics. And you never know, you may just change their entire day. We love you and appreciate you being here with us. Cheers.